We're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 15. We're going Old Testament this morning. We're going Old Testament this morning. So 1 Samuel 15. I don't have any. I, okay, so let me, let, me, let me tell you a little something. When I preach, I start writing notes, right? So I started this about four weeks ago, and this is all I got. Because every time that I do notes, I just get lost. And I'm like, I'm preaching, I'm preaching. I'm like, dang, that was good. And then I forget what I said. And so I'm like, I can't write that down. I don't even know what I said. And so every time I preach this message, it comes out different every single time. So I'm not sure which version of this message you're going to get. But hopefully it's everything that you need this morning. Can we do that? I'm going to preach. Thank you so much. You're amazing. Yes. Oh, thank God. Cool. First Samuel chapter 15. So I don't have any slides up here because I can't write notes, so I couldn't give him anything. So what I need you guys to do is I need you to follow along with me. If you have something you want to look at, I'm going to read some scripture, but I'm really just going to tell you a story this morning. And I need you guys to come on this journey with me. So first Samuel chapter 15, to give a little context to this Israel's in a period, they're in a time where they have turned away from God and they no longer see God as their king. They no longer see him as their judge. And so I did a little bit of research on this. And so I'm going to tell a story about King Saul, about King David, and then a little bit about what happened after King David was anointed king. So everyone knows, even if you've never been in church before, you probably all know the story of David and Goliath, right? Everyone does it. There was a whole movie about facing the giants or something like that where it's like, David, the, the underdog, and he fights the big guy and he wins. And so David and Goliath, I'm going to, we're going to get there, all right? 1 Samuel 15. So in 1 Samuel 9, here's the context, then I'll get right into it. 1 Samuel chapter 9 is when Israel is like, you know what, God? We need a king. We need a judge because I'm tired of serving you. I'm tired of this. And so what he does is there's a man named Samuel. Samuel is one of the prophets of that time and that day. And so everything Samuel says comes to pass. Everything that he says comes to pass all the time. And so 1 Samuel chapter 9 is when they're like, look, we need a king, we need a king. Finally, Samuel goes to God and is like, all right, listen, they need a king right now. What do I do? And God's like, listen to the voice of the people. It's kind of weird, right? It's like, listen to the voice of the people. I'm going to scoot this back because I need some space. So he's like, listen to the voice of the people. Samuel's like, all right. So Samuel goes in front of the people and he's like, hey, I know you guys want a king. You guys trust me, right? And they're like, yeah, you've never said anything wrong. You've never done anything bad to us. Like, of course I trust you. And so Samuel's like, all right, I'm going to anoint a king. And so he goes and he finds a man named Saul. So Saul, imagine me. And that's it. Just me, right? So I'm here. I'm tall. I'm handsome. I'm super swole. I'm strong. I look like a king. I look like a soldier. I'm about to go into battle, right? So that's what Saul was like. He was a tall, handsome man. The Bible says that he was one of the most handsome on earth, and he was big and strong. And so he looked the part of a king. He played the part of a king very well. And so what Samuel did is Samuel found Saul, and he anointed him as king. And the Lord said, you know what? Anoint him as our king. 
So that's exactly what he does. And so as Saul goes, it says, it says like that there was about 40 years that he actually reigned. A lot of scholars believe it was like 20 to 30. I'm not sure, but anywhere from the range of like 20 to 40 years was his reign, right? So chapter 15 is where we're going to pick up. I'm going to read the very first verse of, of Samuel, chapter 15, and then I'll, I'm going to tell a story. So 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 1, it says, Samuel also said to Saul, so this is Samuel talking to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore, listen to the voice of the words of the Lord. Right? So he's just reminding him. This is uh, years after he was already king. And so Saul had, had done his kingship a little bit. And so Samuel comes and he's like, hey, remember, you were anointed for this specific kingdom. You were anointed for this specific time by God. And so he gives him a task and he says, look, I need you to go into this city and I need you to destroy all of the Amalekites. I need you to kill them. The word says that he asked him to utterly destroy this city, right? And so that's kind of like, dang, that's crazy. Utterly destroy? You want to kill everybody? It's like, yes, kill the kids, kill the moms, kill the dads, kill the servants, kill the sheep, kill the cow, kill the ox, kill everything. Destroy everything. And so Saul's like, all right. And so Saul goes and he conquers the kingdom, but he spares the king. And it says that the people kept some of the spoils for themselves. It says that they kept the sheep, they kept some of the oxen because they wanted to sacrifice it to God, right? And so this is what happens is Samuel comes to Saul and he's like, dude, God told you to kill everything. What are you doing? And he's like, well, the, the people wanted to keep some of the the spoils, the people, and he started putting the blame on people. Let me tell you, if you are put in a situation, you are put over something, you're responsible of something, quit putting blame on other people when you mess up. Quit putting blame on people when you mess up. If you messed up and you didn't obey the word of the Lord, that's your fault. It's not anyone else's. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. Oh, I'm drinking today. Friends, hey, hey, friends let friends drink in church. That's right. Water, of course. So, I'm glad you guys are laughing. I feel real affirmed right now. So, if you're given a responsibility and you mess up, don't put the blame on people. You were given a responsibility. You were given a task. Own that. Own your mistakes. Own up to that. Because God doesn't want you putting blame on other people when you messed up. Simple as that. So, Then, let's go on to verse 35. And so, a little bit of context. Sam is like, what are you doing? You did this all wrong. And Saul, he begins to repent. He's like, oh my gosh, I messed up. I did this, I did that. I'm so sorry. And then at the end, this is what got my attention when I started reading this. Verse 35. So verse 1, remember that Samuel was reminding King Saul who he was. He was reminding him of his position. You were anointed for this. In verse 35, Samuel is very upset that Saul messed up. He's very upset that Saul failed what the Lord was telling him to do. And so in verse 35, it says, And Samuel went no more to see Saul, so he stopped visiting him until the day of his death. Then it says, Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul. He was upset. And this is what caught my attention so hard. It says, And the Lord regretted 
that he ever made Saul king. Can you imagine? I'm getting really, really hot. I'm going to take this off. There's a hole in the shirt, so don't pay attention to that. That's why I wear something over it, of course. Verse 35, it says, And Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord regretted that he made Saul king over Israel. I don't ever want this to be our story. I don't ever want this to be. Can you imagine being Saul coming back to earth, reading his own story, and seeing that God anointed him for this time. He anointed him for this position. And at the end of your time, at the end of your life, God looks at you and says, man, I regret ever putting him in that position. Man, I was thinking about it and like, I was made the youth pastor of Arise Church and I'm so grateful for that. But what if after two or three years or however long that I'm here, the Lord looks back and he's like, man, he was anointed for that youth pastor position, but I'm so, ah, man, I regret giving him that. Like That would hurt. That would be the worst thing ever. So when you are given a responsibility, when you're given a position, when you're giving kingship over something and you have authority over something, do that to the highest honor that you can. Honor the Lord in everything that you do. Obey him because I don't want our story to ever be, man, I, I started well, but now God regrets that he ever made me. He ever made me manager. He ever made me, you know, king over this. He ever put me authority over this. And so... I haven't started my message yet. I hope you guys know this is an introduction. It's only been 15 minutes. Let's go. So that's the end of verse 35. So now we're going to get to 1 Samuel 16. So now the Lord said to Samuel, this is verse 1, how long are you going to mourn for Saul, seeing that I've rejected him from reigning over Israel? Now I need you to fill your horn with oil, and I need you to go, and I need you to anoint me a new king. And so the Lord is ready. He's ready to replace Saul. He's ready to anoint someone else as king. Because if you can't get your position done, I promise you the Lord's going to find someone that can. And so what he's doing is he's saying, look, Samuel, I need you to go. I need you to go to the house of Jesse. He's a Bethlehemite. I need you to go, and I need you to anoint one of his kids as king. And so word starts to get around, right? Imagine being Jesse. This is what I need you guys to do. I need you to come on a journey with me. I need you guys to put yourself in people's shoes for me. Can y'all do that? Okay, so imagine being Jesse. Your son, your daughter, whoever, a word that a prophet is coming to your house. Imagine Pastor Chris. Sophie, she's going to be anointed to be queen over whatever, right? Right off the bat, I'm sure there's going to be some, like, pride that comes in, and it's like, man, my kid, you know, my son, my daughter, and so word gets around, and Jesse starts to, to realize, like, my, one of my boys is going to be king. And so pride begins to kick in. He's like, I'm sure he's telling his friends. I'm sure he's calling people. He's like, yo, Samuel's coming to my crib. I'm about to have one of my kids anointed. I'm about to be, I'm about to be rich. We're going to have all the money. And so Jesse starts, and he's like, oh, yeah, one of my kids is going to be king. So imagine being that person. What do you, how do you respond if, if someone comes up to you and they're like, hey, one of your kids is about to be promoted. They're going to be rich. They're going to be this. They're going to be that. And you're just like, yes. You know, and so Jesse's like, yes, I'm so happy. So he gets all of his boys and he lines them up and he's like, all right, Samuel, when he gets here, he's going to anoint one of my boys as king. 
Can I get seven people to come up here real quick? Just seven people. Doesn't have to be whoever. Just need seven. Noah, come here. One more. Y'all just stand at the front. Four, five, six, seven. So imagine I'm, I'm Samuel. Jesse's here. Samuel comes over, and he's getting ready to anoint the next king of Israel, right? Sorry, y'all going to be kings today. So Samuel has his horn filled with oil, and he's like, all right. And the Lord says to him in this moment, he says, don't look at the outward appearance. Don't look at them because they look good. Don't look at them because they look the part or because they're strong or because they look great. They look like they could be kings, but God looks at the heart, right? So just a little side note before I go on to this. If you're ever looking for somebody to, to take responsibility over something, don't look at how well they look. Don't look at how well they carry themselves. Look at their heart. Like, for example, Jack. Jack, he was the one who did tithes and offerings. He's one of, he's one of our youth leaders, right? This man is tall, dark, and handsome. But I did not ask him, I did not ask him to be a youth leader because he looks like that. I know Jack. I know his heart. I've seen him serve. I've seen all the things that he does, and that's why I chose him to come and help because I know his heart, and I know his heart is for the kids, and I know his heart is for the Lord. So if you're ever picking someone to help you with something, don't look at the outward appearance. Look at the heart. So, all right, first son, right? Samuel walks over, and he's like, God, is this the one? It's like, nah. And so this, this guy gets put off this side. So imagine being here. Imagine being this son. What is your first thought? It's probably like, I hope it, he didn't get it. I hope it's me, right? He didn't get it. I hope it's me. And so imagine this person at the very end, he's like, dude, I hope none of them get it because I'm going to be king. I'm going to be king. And so right off the bat, pride again jumps in and it's like, you know what? I don't want any of my brothers to be king because I want to be king. How many times have you been in a situation, maybe it's at work, maybe it's wherever, but it's like, all right, someone's getting a promotion. Someone at school is getting a raise. Someone at, at your school is getting a raise, and you're like, I'm the best teacher. The kids love me. I better get the raise. But what happens when the person beside you gets anointed instead of you? How do you respond to that? You probably get mad, right? You're probably like, oh, why is he get? oh, come on. God, are you serious right now? Have you seen his toes? He's crusty. He's not a king. He's not a king. All right, y'all good. Y'all can sit down. But he goes through all seven, and they're like, nah, this ain't it. This ain't it. This ain't it. And Samuel's like, God, then who is it? And so in the story, this is what it says, and I'm going to tell you how I read it. So it says, and Samuel said to Jesse, because keep in mind in verse 10 it says, Jesse made all seven of his sons pass before Samuel. All seven. Seven sons. And then in verse 11, And Samuel says to Jesse, are all of these young men here? Are all of your sons here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest. He's outside. He's taking care of the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So in my mind, 
I feel like there's little things that you read in between the lines that says, and send him and come inside, and we will not sit down until he's here, until we see him. So I can imagine a conversation that happens before that verse, and it's like, Jesse's kind of like, come on, man, let's just sit down, let's have dinner, let's get a little drinks, let's have some fun, and we'll chill. And then at the end of dinner, then we'll look back, and you'll anoint one of my seven, right? And so I kind of feel like that's what was happening. He was like, hey, let's sit down, let's have dinner, let's have a meal, let's get some wine, let's do this, let's drink a little bit, let's, and then we'll come back, and then we'll look at the next king. But then Sam is like, no, we are not going to sit down. We will not sit down to have dinner until he comes here. And so he sent one of his servants, and he brought him in. And now this is the description of David. I feel like he was describing me a little bit. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. That's right. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Now put yourself in David's shoes for a moment. Put yourself in David's shoes. Sorry, I just need to get that out of my pocket. All seven of his sons are here, but he has eight. Can you imagine being David out in the field, shepherding the sheep when all seven of your brothers are inside getting ready to get anointed as king? Can you imagine the rejection that David feels? He's not even, they don't even claim him as a son. Can you imagine your brothers and sisters? And it's like, all right prophets coming over, going to prophesy over all of them, and then you're still outside working on something. They don't even invite you in. Can you imagine the rejection that David feels? And as I was going through this, this message, as I was going through this, I was, was reading this, the Lord asked me a question. He's like, how do you deal with rejection? I was kind of like, dude, I don't know. How do you deal with rejection? And then it says in verse, look, let me read it to you because this is important. In verse 13, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. In front of his brothers, in front of his dad, right? And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Then they ate. That's right. But what's so interesting is that it took the time in the Bible to say that he was anointed in front of his brothers. We could have inferred that, right? We would have already known that his brothers were in the room because he brought them in. We would have already known that. But why does it say that he was anointed in the midst of his brothers? And then the Lord asked me a question. And he says, how do you deal with rejection? And then he said, better question, how do you deal with promotion in front of the people that rejected you? How do you deal with promotion in front of the people that rejected you? And so it started to remind me of a story, a little bit about my life. I'm going to let you all in a little bit on a personal thing. So I, I went to Christ for the Nations, and I did a summer camp called 
YFN, Youth for the Nations. And my first year, I did it, and it was awesome. My second year, I was put on leadership for that specific position. And then my third year going in, I didn't get put back on leadership when they had told me that they were going to. And I was kind of like, what is going on? And I was so upset. I remember, like, we had banquet. We had the banquet in here. So at the end of each summer, they have a big banquet, and then they announce the leadership for next year. And so we had banquet in this room. All the chairs are moved, tables everywhere. I'm standing right there where you are. I'm standing right there. All of my friends are on stage because they got picked for leadership, and I am right there. And they're all looking at me like, why are you not up here? And I was like, dude, you tell me why I'm not up there. I don't know. And so I'm mad at this point. I'm like, I'm trying to be happy for my friends because I'm so proud of all of them. And I'm like, dude, I'm so happy that they're all on leadership. I'm so grateful. I'm so happy for them. I'm so proud of them. But what about me? Why didn't I get put on? And I was so mad. I was so upset. But then I just pushed it off and I was like, ah, you know what it is, what it is. It's kind of how I am. When some stuff comes up, I'm like, you know what, it's fine, whatever. And so then a little bit of time goes on, and they actually put me back on leadership for worship. And I'm like, yes, this is what I wanted the whole time. And then not even a month later, they kicked me off. <laughs> and I'm like, huh? It's like, what did I, what? And so I'm confused. I'm like, what did I do? And they, they tell me what I did, but they didn't tell me the exact thing that I did. And I was kind of like, okay, so what did I do? Like, tell me. And they didn't want to, and so I was like, all right, whatever. So I moved on, and, and I felt like I was past it, right? But when I was reading this story, I started to realize that I, was, I felt rejected. I was like, man, why don't they want me? What did I do wrong? Did I, did I not do my position well the first time? Did I not? I, and I, was, I felt rejected, and I was so hurt. But I didn't realize how hurt I was until I started to read this story. And I put myself in David's shoes, and I was like, man, they don't even want me in there. YFN's going on right now, and I miss it. It hurts. And I'm like, man, they don't even want me. And then at, at around the same time that, that all of this happened, that I got kicked off, I was actually promoted here at the church to be the youth pastor. And I remember one of my first thoughts, and I had, to take this cap I had to take this thought captive and throw it out because my first thought was like, you know what? And I love all of you guys so much. I love you. But my first thought was like, man, I'm about to grow this youth group so big, and I'm going to go to the pastors that were over YFN, and I'm going to tell them to look at what I did. And I'm going to say, like, you guys missed out on having me. You guys missed out on having me in, on your team. Y'all missed out. Not me. Y'all lost, not me. And the Lord is like, huh? What are, you, what are you talking about? He started laughing at me, and I was like, all right, you're right, you're right. So I threw that thought out, and, and I'm here. I'm in this position because I love you guys so much. I love our youth group to death. If I didn't love you guys, I would not be here right now. I would be gone. Six months ago, let me tell you, no, I don't even know if Pastor Chris knows this, but six months ago, so if you, if you know me at all, one of my dreams is to, to pastor in Chicago. I want, I love Chicago, I go there all the time, and one of my dreams is to pastor a church in Chicago. 
About six months ago, I get a phone call from this guy named Danny Dodge. He's like, hey, I met you a couple months ago. I have a church here in Chicago, and I want you to be the youth pastor and the worship pastor. Exactly what I'm doing here. He called me, and he offered me this position. He said, we're going to give you this amount of money. And I was like, huh? And so my first thought was like, dude, I'm out. Like, <laughs> YFN, see ya. See if and I, I'm out. Like, I'm out, right? And the Lord, he got a hold of me, and he was like, no. That, that time may come later, but right now, this is where you're supposed to be. You're supposed to go through this season. You're supposed to go through these trials. You're supposed to do this right now because you're anointed for this. And so to my youth students, if I didn't love you guys and I didn't see a future for you guys, I wouldn't be here right now. I love you guys so much. So going on to this, it says that the David was anointed in the midst of his brothers. And I actually had a big illustration that I wanted to do this morning, but I didn't have enough time to come up with it. Um, so I'm going to save it for another time. It's going to be really good, and I'm really excited for it. But can you imagine the labels that David had on him at that time? Rejected, not enough, not strong enough, not big enough, not good enough, too little, all these things. But the anointing of God came upon him. And it wasn't that that got rid of those labels. It was the anointing of God that came upon him that took those labels off of him and started to realize, like, I'm anointed. I'm a son of God. I'm a king. And that's the same anointing that we have. We are sons and we are daughters. We are kings and queens of the kingdom. God has already given us that sonship and that daughter. Like, he's, he's already given us all of that, right? And so those labels begin to fall off David, and, and this is the last part. And this is, I, I was building up to this moment because this is what I really want to preach on because I, ha I still haven't started. So 1 Samuel 17, right? We all know the story of David and Goliath. Everyone knows the story of David and Goliath. So this is what happens. Let me paint the picture. There's a man named Goliath. He's a Philistine, right? So he comes up, and he's like talking to Israel, and he's like, look, if you guys can send someone down here to fight me one-on-one -on -one and win, then we'll give you everything that we have. We'll give you our whole kingdom. We'll give you everything that we own. We'll give you all our money. We'll give you everything, right? And so they send Goliath out to the middle because there, here's a hill and a hill, and there's a valley. And so in that valley, there's Goliath. Goliath stands there, and he's, he's calling out. He's like, yo, no one can whoop me. I'm the greatest giant. I'm the greatest fighter. I'm the greatest soldier out here. And so there was one moment, there was one day where David came out to take food to his brothers. Because also, let me, let me talk to you about this for a second. I missed this. You know what David's first response was after he was anointed as king? He went right back to the field where he was forged by God. How do you deal with promotion? Is it like, what happens when you're in service and someone's like, Dalton, I believe that you are a man of God, that you're going to pastor a church one day, that you're going to have millions of people follow God. You are going to bring millions to the kingdom. 
right? Dawson, <laughs> D's, Dawson, Dalton. Dawson, you're going to do amazing things. You're going to have a church. You're going to pastor people. You're going to bring uh, people to freedom and salvation. What happens when you get that word in church and it's like, I'm anointed. But, but what if your position right now is being a janitor in the church? What happens when Pastor Chris from the stage is like, look, I believe that you are going to pastor this church one day. He tells someone. But for now, you're cleaning the bathroom floor. For now, you're cleaning the toilets, right? But then you get that word, and you're like, but, but God said that I'm, I'm anointed. I'm not cleaning no bathroom floors no more. I'm, not, I'm anointed. I'm bringing millions to the kingdom. Nah, you got me messed up if you think I'm about to go get a broom and a mop. Like, nah, give me the mic. Right? And your first thought when you get that word is like, man, I'm anointed. I'm the one that's going to be in that position. But not yet. You see, David didn't get to be king right away. He was anointed to be king, but he wasn't king yet. I believe that there's such thing as the right person, but the wrong time. Because if David would have gone right then to be king and he would have taken over that throne, he would not have been able to succeed the way he did. But God anointed him. He went back to where he came from, and he let the Lord work on him even more. He was humble about the position that he was given. He was humble about the anointing that he was given, right? And here we go. This is it. This is where I'm getting to. We're going to get out of here early. Can I get someone to come play the keys or something? Yeah. Y'all give a hand for Trevor. He's one of my favorite piano players. I like to call this manipulation music. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I feel like at some churches, it's like, dude, how, how anointed can we get the keys to make people respond? And you're like, dude, you don't need, a, you don't need keys. I just like it. I think it sounds good. That's why. And I think it makes it a little bit, it does change the atmosphere. It makes it a little bit more willing to receive. There it is. Oh, God's here now. Woo. If he wasn't here before, he's here now. This is it. Let me get a drink. This is what I was building up to the whole time. So David comes out goes to take his brother's food and he sees Goliath and this is where this makes me happy I love this part of the story have you guys ever has anyone ever seen the office the show the office well there's a lot of humor in there that's very dry and it's kind of just like yeah but there's this one specific episode I've never seen it all the way through but this one specific episode is my favorite of all time if I ever watch the office I go back and I watch this one episode over and over and over and at the very end of the episode, the star of the show comes up, sees all of the people around, and he's like, <laughs> he starts roasting everyone. And so, like, if you don't know what a roast is, it's basically just, like, making fun of someone in front of them, right? It's kind of like, Noah, you look like da-da-da-da-da, right? And so he does that, and he's like, boom, roasted. And he goes through everyone, and he's like, Angela, I can't see you behind that grain of rice. Boom, roasted. Dude, you're this and you're this. Boom, roasted. Hey, you, boom, roasted, right? So he just goes and he roasts people. And this is what I see David doing. 
Uh, Goliath is like, man, I'm defiling God. I'm doing this. And he's like, yo, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That's like the ultimate roast, right? He's like, yo, who is this clown? Who is this guy think he is defiling my God? And he's like, yo, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Boom, roasted. And he comes back and he looks at him and he says, that he goes back to Saul. And hold on, let me find the, let me find the verse because I want to give this to you accurately. So he goes back to Saul. Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, this is verse 33, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. So specifically to my youth students, don't let anyone look at you and say that you're too young or you're too little or you're not smart enough or you're not strong enough or you're not anointed enough because I promise you, if you can stand in the word of God, you are enough. That goes for everyone in the room. You are enough when you stand in the word of God. And so what he does is Saul grabs his stuff and he gives him like a shield and a sword. And he's like, here, take this and go fight. And so David's given armor that's not his. And he starts going up and he starts to realize like, man, I can't, I can't fight in this. I've never done this before. I've never, I never used this stuff before. And this is a word to all of you who have been trying to be someone that you're not. When you are going into a battle, or you're going into something, you cannot do it the way that everyone else did it. Your relationship might be failing. Let me go to someone and they tell you what to do and then it doesn't work. That's not your story. You have something completely different. You have to find what works for you. And so David, he's like, no, I can't fight in this. This isn't for me. So David realizes I can't be someone that I'm not. I gotta do what God tells me to do. And so what he does is he goes back he picks up five stones, and he's got a slingshot. Scholars believe that Goliath had four brothers. That's what it says in the Bible. He's got four brothers. So he grabbed one stone for Goliath and four for his brothers. He was ready to kill them all. This little guy, anointed king but not a warrior, anointed king, but not, not ready to fight. And he comes in, he's like, look, I'm going to kill Goliath, but I'm also going to kill all of his brothers. And so he grabs the sling and Goliath, he's like, yo, what am I, a dog coming at me with sticks and stones? Like, you're not going to kill me. I don't know what Goliath you're facing this morning. I don't know what giant you're facing this morning. I don't know if it's fear, depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts. I don't know what giant you're facing this morning. But when you stand in the word of God, you have the anointing to win the battle. Every time. Every time. And this is my favorite part of the story. This is where I've been leading up to the whole time. We're going to get out of here 
about 10 minutes. Man, this is so good. So David goes. And what was so interesting to me about this whole story is this one verse right here, verse 33. I just read it. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine, for you're just a youth. And this man of war has been fighting from his youth. So they've been in this battle for quite some time, right? Why is it that Goliath is just now coming to the surface? You have to ask yourself, if, if he's been fighting since he was a kid and he's a giant, why has he not been here the whole time? So I started asking God, why is Goliath just now being mentioned if they've been in this battle? Why, why? If you don't hear anything this morning, if you haven't gotten anything from this, listen to this one thing. Everyone, everyone listen to this one thing. If I get everyone's attention, just listen to this one thing. Why, why is Goliath just now showing up? You might have heard the story before, and it's been preached a bunch of different ways, but I want to try and show you something a little different. Why, why is Goliath just now coming out? A lot of people think David came out to take food to his brothers. He saw Goliath, and then he went to fight, right? But again, why, why is Goliath just now coming out? Let me tell you why. David didn't come out because Goliath was there. Goliath had been in the back, not fighting, not doing anything. And then one day he comes out, right? And he's, you know what? Y'all can't fight me. Y'all can't beat me. The most interesting part of these three chapters is that they're all right in a row. Chapter 15, Saul. Chapter 16, David was anointed king. Chapter 17, Goliath comes out. It's no accident that Goliath came out right after David was anointed as king. David didn't go to the battlefield because Goliath was there. Goliath came out because the anointing of David drew out Goliath. Right? The anointing that David was given, the anointing that was poured out over David, brought out the giant that was going to kill everyone and take over the land. Maybe you're going through a situation right now. Maybe there's a giant in your life that came to conquer you because the anointing of God that was placed on your life is calling the giant out and he's given you the authority and the anointing and the power to conquer that giant. Maybe it's the anointing on your life. That's all right. Maybe it's the anointing on your life that called out that giant. Maybe God's not punishing you. He's not. I can tell you that for a fact. God's not punishing you because you messed up. But maybe the reason that you're facing something so big and something so terrifying is because the anointing that was placed on your life drew out that giant. Maybe it's the anointing and the power that was placed on your life 
is that's what's making the enemy come out. believe that your anointing draws out giants and it shouldn't scare you when a giant comes up in your life take that as an encouragement man this giant is coming up in my life because I'm anointed this giant's coming up in my life because the Lord knows that I have plans for my life he knows that he's formed me that he's given me everything that I need and the enemy is afraid of you The enemy is afraid of you. It's so interesting. I talk to to people my age all the time, and they're always like, man, people that are living in the world, man, they look like they're having so much fun. They're out, they're drinking, they're partying, they're hooking up with girls, and it's like, man, that looks like a lot of fun. Of course they're having fun. The enemy's not worried about them. He's already got them. He's, He's already got them distracted. He's not worried about them. But you, but you, but you, but you, but you, the the enemy is afraid of you. He wants to get you. He wants to knock you down. He wants you to go back and see those people in the world. He wants you to go follow them because he knows that if you do anything, 1% of what the Lord has called you to do, you're going to change the world. If you do anything, If you do any part of what God has called you to do, you're going to change the world. You're going to change the world. You're going to change the world. If you do anything that the Lord has called you to do, people are going to be set free. People are going to be healed, delivered. Can I get everyone to stand to their feet? We're almost done.